Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Sylvia Global Radio. You're listening to Wealth Psychology with Emily and Dr. James. And welcome to Wealth Psychology at Sylvia Global Media. My name is Emily Bouchard. I'm the managing partner at Wealth Legacy Group. This is the Wealth Psychology Show that Jamie Traeger Muni, PhD psychologist and founder of Wealth Legacy Group, and I have been doing for, gosh, about half a year now. Jamie is located in Israel and she's being treated for breast cancer. She's going through radiation right now. And uh, I'm here in the States in uh, uh, Northern California. And our goal is to have a direct impact on the world around the whole conversation about money and wealth and what true wealth is in our lives. And we are really passionate about making sure that people lead truly rich lives. So that's what the show is about. And today's guest is really helping us focus on one of the key components of living a really healthy and wealthy life in terms of if we don't have true health in our lives, no much amount of money in our bank accounts is going to matter. And I think that that's really in our awareness more so now than ever with Jamie battling breast cancer. And we're really looking at, wow, we can use our money to make choices in our lives that can make a big difference and uh, benefit us in many ways. And then there are other things that we need to look at in terms of how we move in the world and choices we make that are going to make the biggest, most lasting impact in terms of our our physical well-being, our physical health, which is where true wealth starts because if you don't have your body, if you don't have your health, you don't really have access to anything. So that's one of the things we're really passionate about. And last week, gosh, it was just last week, I got to hear a really phenomenal author and speaker and presenter. Her name is Beth Greer, and she was speaking at the Commonwealth Club in San Francisco, and I got to hear her firsthand and see her demonstration and talk about how she healed a tumor in her own body with natural means, and then also what she did in terms of her research. She's an investigative reporter and journalist, and she looked into what is it that we're doing to our bodies internally and externally and all around us that contribute to ill health in our lives. Uh, Beth Greer is the author of Supernatural Home which is endorsed by Deepak Chopra and Ralph Nader. And she's a former president and co-owner of the Learning Annex. She is certified in Build It Green, Healthy Home, and Workspace uh, Technologies and is a specialist in that. She's a Huffington Post columnist. And she uh, we're going to hear about her story about how she eliminated a sizable tumor in her chest without using drugs or surgery. And I uh, also want to make sure everybody knows that Beth, along with being an author and a speaker and, uh, you know, just a great human being, is also a holistic wellness educator and is an environmental health advocate and a mother. And she's also been on CNN, ABC, NBC. And her work is around designing healthy work environments and corporate wellness programs and also doing personalized in-home detox audits nationwide, and we're going to find out more about that and what that's about. Welcome, Beth Greer, to Wealth Psychology on Sylvia Global. Oh, thank you, Emily. Hi. Hi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you look great. You sound great. So, Beth, would you, would you start off by telling us about how you found out that you had a tumor in your chest, and what was your immediate, like, emotional response to it? Because wealth psychology is so much based in, like, how we emotionally deal with what's impacting our lives, 
and um, want to talk about that a little bit and then what you ended up doing. Okay. Well, gosh, um, about 10 years ago, I thought I was leading a healthy lifestyle. Like many of the people who are listening here, I was eating well. I thought I was um, watching my weight. I didn't smoke. I didn't drink. Um, I was even meditating. And uh, I was in a healthy, happy marriage, and I had a, a very um, successful business. So it came as this complete shock to me to discover that I had this tumor. I, I was in pain. Um, I experienced a pain in my shoulder and my neck, and um, I went to my doctor, and he said, well, I think you have a um, herniated disc, so you should go get an MRI. So during the MRI process, um, they told me that they saw a mass, and it's like completely flipped out. Uh, it was just so, so shocking. And yeah, what, uh, what did you do with that shock? Did you internalize it? Did you did you talk to people? When you say flipped out, I'd love to get a sense of that because so it was a, such a shock to have that experience. It was a Friday afternoon, I remember, and so um, they couldn't read the the MRI until Monday, until the you know because just the technician could read it, and he said, well, we think we see a mass there, but it's probably breast cancer. You know, they wrote on this report. Um, and then they so, sent you home with that unknown cer uncertainty. Exactly, oh, exactly. my gosh. That's unbelievable. Um, and, but the thought that came to me was, what? what? This can't be happening to me. I'm, I'm such a healthy person. Like, how could I have a mask? Where did this come from? Uh, there's no cancer in my family. There are no tumors. And so, um, anyway, then I had a Monday morning, went in for a, um, a mammogram, and the there was nothing in my breast. They discovered that it was actually deep inside my chest cavity. And so I went for a, a biopsy, a needle biopsy, and that was also a very harrowing experience because, you know, you're, you're, at, the, you're at the mercy of, of the doctors, the hospital, and you just don't know. You're just, you know, lying on the table it's in this tube because I was in a um, – it was a CAT scan. Anyway, so they – came back and they said, there's no cancer. You know, it's a benign tumor. But it was the size of a tennis ball. It was, it was this big. And, um, and it, it sounds like it was causing you distress. I mean, even though it wasn't like the kind of distress, like, oh, my God, this is life-threatening. It was painful. And it was, it was very where did painful. this come from? And what do I do about it? The, it was, uh, the nerves were wrapped around it. So it, the, the pain was running down my arm. And my first three fingers were starting to get numb. <clears throat> so... Um, I just, of course, you know, next step, make an appointment with, with uh, surgeons to see what, what's going on. So I went to three top surgeons. And the first one wanted to cut me under my collarbone over here. And the second one wanted to cut under my armpit. And then the third one said, no, 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 we're going to cut from behind and remove one of your ribs. Oh. And I thought, you know, none of them could agree on how to get it out. But they all agreed that it was risky surgery, that I could lose the feeling permanently in my hand. Oh, now that must have stirred up some emotion and oh kicked God. you in some other directions. Yeah. So, you know, I just thought, okay, what can I do? And I, I, from my meditation practice, I just decided to get quiet. And, and I prayed for an answer, like what, what direction should I go in? And so the word that came to me when I got quiet was simplicity. And so I thought, uh, you know, I want to jump in because Gail Sylvia Pullen, who started this network, 
really, really promotes this as well. And this whole notion of taking the time to listen to that still, quiet voice within. And we are strong proponents of that. And the fact that you already have a meditation practice really lended itself to that for you in a big way because you already had that access to be able to get quiet and still enough to listen and hear from that that place within us that has this inherent knowing of what's right. And we've heard about it many times in different places and different books and different people. And what I'm wanting anybody who's tuning in to get is that we all have access to this. And uh, there's all kinds of different practices to have access to this. So you got still and quiet and you heard your inner knowing. And it said to you, say it again, simplicity, simplify? Yes, simplicity. So what did that mean to me? So I thought, okay, what can I simplify in my life that I have the direct contact over? And what occurred to me was food and drink. What am I eating and drinking? That has, I had the most control over that. And so even though I thought I was um, eating healthy, I looked at some of the food that I was eating and I discovered that, um, you know, I was eating processed foods. I had, there were foods with uh, labels on it, with words that I couldn't understand. Um, I was eating out at restaurants a lot because, you know, I was working in the city and didn't have time to come home and cook. And so I decided to do something kind of radical, which was to eat food without any food labels whatsoever, to just eat real food. And um, so the first thing I did was, and even how to simplify that, go on a juice cleanse. So I went on uh, pure vegetable juices. And I actually went down to a place called Optimal Health Institute down in San Diego. And they did the juicing for me, right? And um, in three days, I noticed that the pain that I was in started going away. It was shocking. You know, you have to understand, I was in so much pain that I was taking sleeping pills at night because I couldn't find a comfortable position to lie down on. So I was kind of sitting up, sleeping in bed, and needed to knock myself out. And so after three days of juicing, I could I didn't need sleeping pills anymore. And I thought, hey, this is fantastic. You know, I'm onto something here. I'm gonna continue with this. Now how did you how did you find out about the Optimum Health Institute? And this is something that, you know, people who have access to resources and have money in their bank accounts that can, they can pit towards whatever they want, whether it's a new pillow on their sofa or going to the Optimum Health Institute, they have this capacity to make decisions about what they do with their money. Um, how did you find out about that? And, um, you know, was it a, a very affordable thing or was it actually a, like, wow, this is a significant investment? Yeah, it was affordable. And it's so funny because um, I find that in my life there are synchronicities that happen. And so coincidentally, um, a girlfriend of mine, uh, my friend Diane, months before said to me, hey, Beth, let's go down to the Optimal Health Institute for a week and just de do a detox, you know, relax and do a cleanse. And um, it was very affordable. It's run by a church, and they make it uh, available to, to people. It's not like a very high-end, fancy place. Um, there's different kinds of accommodations, and so you can share a room with someone. You can have your own room. You can stay in a townhouse. So there's an assortment of, of options there. And, um, and it's also not that expensive because all you're really eating is, uh, is juices, <laughs> So they're not giving you, you know, luxurious three meals a day. Um, but it, it was transformational for me. And um, in that, you know, as I said, after just a few days, the pain started decreasing. And I realized that uh, what a tremendous uh, impact 
the food that we eat has on our bodies. And so after a week there, I came home and decided to continue this cleanse and um, decided to eat raw food because that was what the the protocol was there. It was it was like five days of juicing and then two days of, of raw vegetables and sprouts. So well, I, I think that what we're going to do now is to talk about very specifically what we put in our bodies and how what you put in your body seemed to make such a dramatic impact on this uh, mass that you had in your body and also what other benefits you got as a result to changing what you put in your body. So as I was saying, you know, um, after just a few days, the pain started going away. And so, you know, it... And that was when you were doing um, a juice fasting and raw foods, that's what you said? Correct. Um, I also took a look at what I was putting on my skin because uh, our skin is not the barrier that we think it is. It allows in microscopic chemicals. So I switched out to all natural products, which I'll talk about later. Great. And I, I took a look at what what I was surrounding myself with, like my household cleaners and my mattress, and switched out to all natural. And, you know, within six months, the pain was gone. And then six months later, I had the tumor scanned, and it had disappeared. It disappeared completely. Completely. Has it ever yeah. come back? No, 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 no. And it's been 11 years now. Wow. So, you know, that was a, a an eye-opening, awakening moment for me uh, to discover that, you know, our bodies are self-healing organisms. They're magnificent. And if we get out of the, if, if we get out of the way and, and put in only pure natural food and pure natural products on our skin and what surrounds us, we're part of nature. And we forget that. I think we, you know, we, we there's such a disconnect right now yeah. uh, with processed foods and, and convenience foods and all this. And uh, it really is having an impact. And you know, I feel like if people need to connect the dots and see that maybe their chronic cough could be caused by something in their home environment. Maybe their headaches could be something that they're eating or drinking. Well, tell, let's let's really dive in here in terms of what we put into our bodies. And I love how you said connect the dots because I wore my polka dots today. So that's perfect. We're looking at what are the things that we're doing to ourselves by what we're putting in our bodies because nobody, nobody. And we're here to make sure that people have the healthiest bodies they can because that's where true wealth starts. So, um, And we're going to talk a little bit about the psychology around eating. And, you know, you talked about convenience and even you said, no, real food. And I'm sure there might be some people tuning in saying, well, wait a second. I'm eating real food just because somebody else took some time to prepare it for me doesn't mean that it's not real. So I want to make sure we clarify. When you say real foods, you're meaning whole foods that have not been processed in any way, like buying a carrot instead of um, buying carrots that are already shredded and in some sort of dish, like like a, a physical, like, vegetable that you bought from the produce section or meat that you've gotten from the meats department. Is that what you're saying? I'm saying that, but, you know, there's nothing wrong with eating shredded carrots. I'm talking about, like, boxed foods, foods that are in boxes. Like, I'll just give you this quick example. You know, I love to go to, like, Safeway or Walgreens and then just sort of, like, pull off the shelf uh, things that people are eating that they may not be aware of, of what is in the in the box or the product that they're using. So, like, I found this... Uh, this is a, a Jiffy blueberry muffin mix. And so right on the label it says, uh, made with artificial blueberries. And so I'm thinking, what in the world could artificial blueberries be made of? 
Well, and the picture looks great. I mean, the picture on the box is this yummy-looking blueberry <laughs> muffin thing. <laughs> right. It looks fantastic, right? And so um, it looks healthy. Yeah. It looks like, yeah, I, I want to feed that to my kids. Yeah, right. totally. Okay. So then if you look on the label, I mean, I really want people to become um, really good label readers and really pay attention to your labels. It's, it's really key. And look for things that are have the fewest ingredients on your label. So this one has a lot of ingredients on the label. But the thing that, that stood out for me, okay, what do you think artificial blueberries are made from? Okay, hydrogenated lard. So, yeah, a lot of people have a thought that maybe lard is not healthy for you. And then what does hydrogenated mean? Like hydrogenated, Okay, so hydrogenated or partially hydrogenated, if you see those words, they, they, it, they, it, is, it is a trans fat. They, they take a process where they inject it with, um, with hydrogen, and it completely makes it unavailable to our bodies in a way that nature intended. And so they're taking this with... Um, Partially hydrogenated, hydrogenated lard plus hydrogenated soybean and cottonseed oil, um, both of which are genetically modified. You, you need to know at least 80% of the soy in this country that's not organic is genetically modified, which means that scientists are going into a lab and playing with it. Again, it's not being able to be recognized in our bodies in a way that we can uh, digest it easily and assimilate all the nutrients. And then kind of like the, I've heard about like tomatoes and they wanted them to be able to ship more healthily. So they put like a, something from a fish inside of the tomato so that they, it they won't. Inject, they inject the gene of an Arctic flounder uh, into the tomato so that the tomato won't freeze exactly because the genes of the fish will keep it uh, from freezing. So, yeah. I can see like where in theory that it might make sense. Like scientists are like, maximizing the use and the, the access to food, and it could be with positive intent, but it sounds like studies have shown that genetically modified foods may not be as healthful for our bodies as those that aren't. That's true. You know, I'm working with a pediatrician, Dr. Michelle Perro, and her um, children that come to see her, you know, so many of them have tummy distress and constipation, diarrhea, and digestive issues, and when she takes them off, G GM food or genetically modified food, their symptoms go away. Oh my gosh. Now, I was just thinking, oh, I'll, I just need to go to the produce section, so I'll just get a tomato or an avocado. If I buy something that's labeled organic, does that automatically mean that it's not going to be genetically modified? Absolutely, yeah. You want to stick with organic food. You want to, you know, shop in farmers markets when you can. And, you know, people ask me all the time, well, is, you know, organic food is more expensive. Is it worth it? It is worth it. Um, pesticides, you know, they design pesticides to to, to kill the the um, pests, the, the the pests, the things that would eat the plant, that would kill the plant. It attacks their their stomachs and and their brains, and so you know we're eating that as well. You know we're, we're the pesticides are not getting washed off, um, especially if you're eating something like a strawberry, for example, because strawberries. Um, they inject the pesticide into the root system, so it comes up into the flesh. You can't wash you can't wash that off. So apples have like a tremendous amount of pesticide residue on them, for example. So one way to avoid that is if you peel an unorganic apple, um, it would be safer. But then you're missing out on all the nutrients. The nutrients are right under the skin, and then you're missing out on the fiber and all that. Wow, it's such a so. 
so I just want to be really clear. So if I go to the produce section because I need to have whole foods and not processed foods, and I buy something that says that it's organic, or I go to the farmer's market and say that it's not going to be genetically modified. Those aren't two separate things. Because couldn't they say, well, no, it's a fish gene, so that's organic too. A fish gene is not organic. A fish, well, first of all, you know, here's one of my clients. Um, she she has a child who's allergic to soy, mm-hmm. and she's been feeding him salmon, and then she... Uh, and he's been fine with it. Then one day she fed him a salmon that she bought at the store, which was uh, farmed salmon, and the child had an allergic reaction. And you know why? Because they fed the farmed salmon soy. Oh, wow. Okay, so we are what our animals eat in a way. So if you're not buying um, wild-caught salmon or wild-caught fish, uh, farmed fish you know, very often contains, well, first of all, farmed salmon, the 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 farmers are um, putting orange food dye into the into their uh, fish meal. That's what's giving it the orange color. Otherwise, they're feeding it corn and soy, and the fish would be gray. It wouldn't look like salmon. Oh, my gosh. Now, this is really important. I want to make sure we cover this in this segment in terms of what we put in our bodies, because when I heard you say this at the Commonwealth Club, it was one of the reasons I wanted you on the show. Could you talk about food dyes and what they're looking at in terms of uh, how they're impacting children? Because this is really important. Yes, um, you know, in Europe, they ban artificial food dyes because they've done studies and they've discovered that when um, normal children eating artificial food dyes, the children have um, emotional reactions, behavioral, they'll have temper tantrums. So they've banned it. But here in America, Artificial food dyes are used routinely. It's in, found in Kraft macaroni and cheese. It's found in the blue yogurt tubes that you squeeze. And, um, yeah, and it's found in, in this blueberry muffin mix. In fact, there's three artificial colors And they have in here. to say artificial on the label if they've used artificial in it? It'll, it'll say coloring. It'll say, um, specifically, it'll say something like, um, I think it's called FDC color. It'll just it, even just the word color. Okay. It doesn't have to be artificial or synthetic, but you know it was created in the lab. And I, I want I want to be really clear about this because like I saw my cousin at a wedding this weekend, and she said you know her son went from being this really peaceful, wonderful little guy, he's only three, to suddenly being a madman. And she's like, I don't even know what to do with that. I said, Oh, are they eating anything? And she says, Lots of sugar. I know you should eat sugar. I said, Yeah, sugar's a big part of it for sure. But I just learned. If he's eating anything that has um, a dye or color in it, that might be having a huge impact on his behavior. Just try taking that out and seeing what happens. And I never would have known that if I hadn't heard you speak. So I'm so glad that you're so passionate about this. And I want to make sure we go on to our next segment because I want to have time for everything. And this is flying by. Before we do, I want to hear about what we put in our bodies in terms of liquids. Can you say anything about um sodas, what we need to be looking for in terms of that, and also something as simple as water, which is supposed to be so healthy. Yes. Well, water, you know, people are always asking me, what, what's better, bottled water or tap water? Well, I say tap water if, as long as you have a filter, a water filter on it, because mm-hmm. Associated Press did a survey of our tap water across the country, and they found, you're not going to believe this, but there are pharmaceutical drugs in our tap water in significant quantities. That means things like Viagra and birth control pills and antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, it's, it's in there and we're drinking it. And so, antibiotics too, right? Because of how much they're using it with livestock and I mean that's another big one also. 
Well, that's another big one. Uh, but in our own water supply, um, people are flushing down their old uh, prescription drugs down the toilet, and they're also peeing, peeing them out. And so we're drinking all that. Wow. So something to think about, you know. So easy, easy solution is to get a water filter on your faucet and then carry around. Like I love to have either a glass or a metal um, a water bottle, and because I don't like to use plastic, because plastic's another whole issue. You know. Well, I'm not eating the plastic. I mean, why would that be an issue? Well, you know what? There are certain chemicals in plastic that leaches into into the water. So there's something called BPA or bisphenol A. And that leaches into into our water, especially you know if you leave a water bottle in a in a warm car, a hot car over the summer, uh, if you microwave in plastic, so you really need to be aware of that. And uh, even uh, the linings in cans in uh, canned food contains BPA. That that kind of um, oh my gosh, yes. Well, this so, is really important. So, and if I get a metal water bottle, does it depend, matter what kind of metal I get? Yeah, I, I suggest you get uh, try to avoid aluminum and, and go for a stainless steel water bottle. Well, this is so helpful. I'm so excited for our next segment. We're going to be talking about what we put on our bodies and toxins we need to look out for there, too. We are diving into toxins in our environments, and we're going to be talking about what we're putting on our bodies. We have as our special guest today Beth Greer, who's author of Supernatural Home, and she uh, was able to make a tumor in her body, a mass, disappear without any drugs, without any surgery. She did it all or was changing her diet and also what she put on her body. And we're going to be talking about what we need to look out for when we're putting things on our bodies because a lot of us are like, oh, I'm going to eat organic and I'm going to eat healthy, but then we'll go to the drugstore and buy you know, the cheapest uh, hair product or the, the large bottle of um, Vaseline lotion. or So what do we need to know in terms of what we're putting on our bodies, Beth? Okay, well, as I mentioned in the first segment, that our skin is not the barrier that we think it is. It, it really does allow in microscopic chemicals. And we think about the, the, the nicotine patch that people use or nitroglycerin patches or um, the bioidentical hormone creams. It, it gets into your system. So all these creams and lotions that we're putting on our skin, have they have an effect on us. They, they have something known as hormone disruptors. So we need to pay attention and, and really, you know, one of the big things now, that... Now, wait a minute. If I'm putting a hormone cream on my body, don't I want it to be a hormone disruptor? Or are you saying any, anything I put on my body? I'm talking, right, those are the ones that you want to have an effect okay. on your hormones. But you, want, you don't want to have your, uh, your face makeup, let's say, uh, impacting your hormones as well. So um, one of the things that can impact your hormones is uh, fragrant, or fragrances, actually. Really? Uh, yes. And so if the word fragrance on the label can mean up to 100 different synthetic chemicals in that one word. It's a catchphrase that the manufacturers use. And so uh, some things are very highly fragranced, and you know sometimes they can last for hours. That shouldn't be. And you'll know. If you, if you uh, use a product that you can smell hours later, you know that it, that it has chemicals in there that's designed to make the product last longer. Oh, like when you walk into an elevator and it's empty and it's completely filled with that horrible smell or, or like an intense smell that you weren't, that nobody's even in there and you're smelling it. That's like right. That's, that's exactly right. Well, yeah. I went on a date last week with a really nice man. I had a nice time. We hugged goodnight. And I came home and I 
reeked of the cologne he was wearing, and I literally had to go in and take a shower because it was so intense. And I felt, like, marked. It was really quite awful. So you're saying that that's also toxic for me? It wasn't just, wait a second, that's his cologne? I've had that experience as well. And 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 imagine, like, wearing that all the time. You, it, it is, It's having an impact on, on the system. And so, um, you know, do you think about the deodorant that you use, for example. M- many of them are highly uh, scented. And also, they contain things like parabens, which are um, antimicrobial uh, chemicals that are put in there that that are not really great for us. So you want to pay attention, on, read on the label. And you know, one of the great easy things that I use is uh, baking soda deodorant. So I, you know, even just either Arm and Hammer or even you know Whole Foods makes a where is it? Oh, the 365. Yeah, soda, and it works. And it's the only ingredient on the box, right? It's just baking soda. Right. And it's been around forever. You know, but does I, it have aluminum in it? Because I heard that aluminum's really bad. Yeah, you know, it may have trace amounts of aluminum, and so you can find some non-aluminum uh, baking soda. But, you know, I really think that we don't want to get crazy about, you know, going nuts, about being hypervigilant about this stuff. Just start simply. Start with, um, you know, if you can make one change, Start with either your lipstick or your deodorant. Um, now, why would I need to change my lipstick? Well, you know, a lot of a lot of the conventional lipsticks contain lead, and there's been studies that shows that show this very often. There's a great website um, uh, the Environmental Working Group has that you can log on to um, safecosmetics.org and and you can check out your lipsticks and see how they rank. Well, that's an extraordinary thing to think that something I'm putting on my lips right next to my tongue yeah, that's going to be an impact. Like, I'm not licking my lips all the time, but lead, I mean, I, everybody knows you're not supposed to have lead inside your body. Right, but there's we no, put it, really no safe levels of lead. But, you know, you are licking your lips all the time. I mean, how 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 long does your lipstick really last? Every couple of hours you, you might need to, to use it. So where is it going? It's going inside of you. Right, and not only that, I mean, I can think about when I take a drink of water and I put lipstick on, I can see it sometimes on the glass, and who's to say that that water is not washing some of that down, too, when I'm drinking? So, wow, this is really important. So, lipstick with lead, and then, you know, i got to ask you, I'm, I am a pretty conventional person, and for me, deodorant is a spray or a roll-on, and you just showed me a box of powder, and I'm, like, I'm completely mystified how on earth you put that on as a deodorant. I should have brought my salt shaker. Um, it's upstairs, but... I put it in a, a, a just a, a salt shaker with you know which has uh, medium-sized holes, and then I take it and I sprinkle it in my hand, the palm of my hand, and then I go like this, <laughs> and it's it's it totally works right after you shower, so your armpits are a little bit moist, and I'm telling you it lasts the whole day. So uh, you know one of my clients is uh, down in Southern California, she's a yoga teacher, and she said to me. You know, I sweat a lot, and this is not going to work. I know it. And I said, well, just give it, a, give it a try. And she called me the next day. She said, this is unbelievable. So it doesn't stop the wetness, but it stops any trace of odor. Wow, that's terrific. That's such a good hint and, like, tip for anybody who's looking at, wow, how can I make a subtle, small change? And what about those uh, deodorants that are like uh, a rock or uh, a crystal? Like, they, they say that that's supposed to be better for you. Is that another option? It's another option, sure. Uh, you know, it, it says that it's made from alum, which is a, a derivative of aluminum. Um, 
I think they're probably fine. Again, you know, don't get crazy about it. Just try to make some small but significant changes. Look, we have everyone has so much to do and so much to think about. We don't want to start getting paranoid about everything in our lives. What so, I'm getting? Oh, I'm sorry. No, I just so I, you know, I really I, I want people to just think about one or two things that they can do in their homes. So whether it's just starting with the food that you eat most often. So let's say if it's if it's dairy, you know, you want to eat organic, and if it's um, and if it's the, your cosmetics or personal care products, pick one thing to start with, and then just see how that goes. So uh, we we can look at food labels, and we can do research that way, and then we can also um, uh, go onto a website about safe cosmetics and look at what the ingredients are and the cosmetics we're using. So those are some really good tips. Um, and it sounds like the less ingredients that are in something typically the better it is. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, the less ingredients, and you, you want to just look for, like instead of the word fragrance, look for the words essential oil. Um, that would be a really good substitute. And one key, I want to just give you a little tip. Look for the words made with. Oh. So if you see the words made with essential oil, it could mean only there's one drop of essential oil or 1%. So you want to look for something that says made with 100% essential oil. But made with is is really like um, that kind of tricky greenwashing. Um, it's it's a it's a misleading phrase that manufacturers get away with. So sometimes like a loaf of bread may say made with whole grains. It's not. It should say 100% whole grains if that's what you're looking for. Well, that's really useful. So reading labels and being smart about how we read the labels. And uh sounds like essential oils might be a nice alternative to the, um, the if I love wearing fragrances and I uh, like to smell good. Um, I know I enjoy using rose water. I find that to be a lovely um, thing. And all it has is the, uh, the water and the rose scent. So, I mean, it, it seems like the, the less you use, in terms of ingredients, and then the more natural, like an essential oil instead of fragrance. That's that's what I'm hearing. Absolutely right. And rose water is fantastic, yes. Yeah. Wow. Well, anything else in terms of, um, like, personal care products that we should really watch out for, like in terms of, like, soaps that we wash with or shampoos or, you know, what should we look out for there? I heard parabens yeah, and fragrance. Talk about soap for a minute because there's a really big – there's a big issue around something called triclosan, which is in anything that you see that says antibacterial. So uh, doctors are saying that regular soap and water works just as well as an antibacterial soap. And what's happening is triclosan is actually a pesticide, and so they're putting it in our soaps. So um, it's found in our rivers and streams. It's found in our dolphins and whales. You know, it's found up in the Arctic. It's everywhere. It's been, it's, it's a persistent um, ingredient and chemical that doesn't need to be there. And you don't need to buy anything that has a triclosan in it. It's just not. It's unnecessary. And it's also causing anti antibacterial resistance. So um, you know, people who are using all these antibacterial uh, soaps. Or can create really havoc. It's almost like you're getting too clean, um, and it, it can create problems down the down the road. Oh, and you're, yeah, you're talking about the thing like where superbugs can get created because they build a, up a resistance to the very thing that's supposed to kill them. So we're actually creating. I, I've heard that. Like if you go to a 
um, like a hospital where they have the antibacterial thing, if you study the, the bacteria around that, it's more resistant to that than anything else. So. Yes, that's exactly right. Wow. So, look, so if, you, if you're buying liquid hand soap, a lot of people like that. Make sure it doesn't say antibacterial on there, and and look look on the back, and it'll you know look for the word triclosan and just avoid it. And the other thing is, they're putting triclosan in toothpaste now. So a, a Colgate Total, for example, has triclosan in it, and it's really um, very toxic. You know, it, it, it's um, it's so unnecessary, and um, dentists are just handing this out to people because they're getting it from the manufacturer. And it's really uh, not not a not a well, great thing. To this is so distressing because these are you're talking about like name brands that we've grown up with that we trust that are familiar that have a lot of recognition and then our dentists who we trust and this is really about empowering the consumer and empowering the individual to look at and say hey what is in this and I have a right to know what this in in this and if I read something and I don't know what it is thank goodness we have the internet because I could type in a word on a label that's like, what is a triglyceride? And and then have it come up and have it tell me, no, this is a, a dangerous chemical to use in my body. Um, and, you know, I, I don't typically read the ingredients on my toothpaste. I, that's never occurred to me. And I it's, it's odd because I'm putting it in my mouth, but I never have. And I, I imagine there's quite a few things that are around my space that I, I put on my body that I don't look at the ingredients on. Right. That's why I, I want you to become a label sleuth, you know. And the thing is, it's not not all Colgate products are bad. It's it's Colgate Total, which has triclosan and is unnecessary. So if you love Colgate and you want to continue to use it, fine. But just pick one of their other varieties. Right. It, and make sure that they haven't put it in other ones since this show has come on. I mean, that's the thing. Is like we change keeps happening. Manufacturers keep doing this. Heaven knows why. And I think the other thing is consumers can actually make a difference. Like. I, there was a phenomenal uh, video that went viral, and we're going to talk about this in the next segment, actually. We're going to talk about what we put in our environments, what is in our, um, our living space and our workspace that impacts us and our health, and what we can do about that, and also how we can be empowered as people, as consumers, to take care of our own lives and even maybe um, in a more a larger way in terms of changing corporations and what they're putting into these things. And I'm here with Beth Greer, the author of Supernatural Home, and we are talking about how to live healthy in a very toxic world and toxic environment. And this has been a pretty eye-opening conversation and, you know, a little, little bit distressing in terms of, my gosh, there's a lot that's in our environments and a lot that we have to contend with. And we're going to talk a little bit about the emotional impact of all of that in our next segment. This segment we're going to talk about our environment, what's around us, what we are exposing ourselves to unwittingly, and what we can do about it. So welcome back, Beth, and looking forward to hearing about what we are surrounding ourselves with. Well, um, you know, when I had my tumor and I was trying to look at what I can do to clean up my environment, so the first thing I took a look at was my household cleaners. Now, this is stuff that I've grown up with, Windex, for example. And I looked at the label, and you know what I saw in there? A warning on, on the label in big letters that says, hazardous to humans and domestic animals. Now, why in God's day would anybody <laughs> a product that says it, that has this warning label on it? I mean, that just, it, it, it really distressed me a lot. And um, so I started doing research about, you know, what, what to use instead. And so what I do uh, is really simple. What grandma and great grandma use, vin white vinegar and hydrogen peroxide. 
So I take two spray bottles. I put uh, white vinegar in one, you know, pennies, and then hydrogen peroxide in the other. And How I much do you, do you dilute it, or is it soft? Uh, is it straight? It's straight. So, um, and I spray down my my countertops and my wooden cutting boards, and it kills. You know, Windex will say it kills 99.9 percent .9 of uh, bacteria and and all that. So does this. It kills 99.9 percent .9 of E. coli, salmonella, bacteria, it's fantastic. Wow, and it's, does it stink though? I mean, it's a vinegar, I mean, that's... Yeah, well actually, you know what, vinegar, it does smell, but as soon as it dries, the smell is gone immediately. Now, I've been experimenting, sometimes I use some lemon essential oil, um, I like that, or some kind of citrus that I, I put a few drops in there, and it, it, uh, it diffuses the smell of the vinegar. Oh, that's great to know. Wow, that's pretty simple. And like, what do you put it in? Like, is it... Just a spray bottle you get at the drugstore. You know, I would even take an old Windex bottle and put it in there. I mean, that's another possibility. And just you would just write a label on it, and you could just say, um, "This is a vinegar one," and you could just tape over the Windex and have it say what you want it to say. So um, here's what I found because I don't like using plastic so much because you know plastic isn't really, it's not really recycled. It's really. Uh, it's uh, horrible for our environment and for global warming. And so I found these metal uh, bottles. And so I put, see, one with V for vinegar and the other one for H for uh, hydrogen peroxide. And okay. so I spray these. You just pour them into that. Great. Wow, thank you. So metal yep. as opposed to plastic. That's really good to know. And uh, what are other things in terms of what we surround ourselves with? You, you talked about fragrance before, and I, I know there's a lot of things like, being sold on the market in terms of plug-in air fresheners and those uh, sprays that people use to freshen their bathrooms and, um, you know, scented candles. Can you talk a little bit about the scents and the fragrances and those things? Yeah, so scented candles are, you know, uh, one of my clients had a terrible uh, chronic cough, and she said, um, you know, the funny thing is that when I travel, when I go to sleep in hotels, I'm not coughing. So I'm thinking, well, aha, there's something in your house, obviously, that's causing you distress, you know, respiratory distress. And I walked into her bedroom, and she had scented, scented candles everywhere. Um, so, you know, I found this, there's a scented candle. I can't even open this because it smells so strong. You know, we were talking about the, the strength of the, um, of the, the scent. And on the back, you know, look for the Peel Here label um, that you see on many, many products, including your personal care products. It'll sometimes, um, if they can't put everything on the on the front label, they have you peel here, and then all of the other information. Wait, it's like a little novel. I mean, anybody is looking. This is not like one little fold that you pull peel back. There's pages on the back of a tiny little candle. And there's warnings and all that. So. Okay, so what I love to use instead is I go to the, the farmer's market and I buy um, a beeswax candles, and they're fantastic. So since I have one. Um, yeah, and I've heard that they, they take longer to burn and that they're actually good for you. Like what happens, what they let off in the environment is not a bad thing. That's true. Like this, so this is a beeswax candle, and if you notice it has a cotton wick, you want to look for um, a wick that doesn't have a little metal um a little metal thread in there that's lead and oh. so you're going to be breathing in those those lead fumes and you know I know there are people that who burn a lot of these candles if you look up at the top of their ceiling you'll see black soot and that's lead actually so you, you want to avoid that oh um, my gosh 
I, it's just so counterintuitive. You think about how like lead paint was this huge thing, and you had to make sure that we don't have lead in our paint, which you know is painted on our walls. And you're talking about something that's in our air that would be burning right into where we're breathing. Right, and you know most people are not aware of those little metal sticks in, the, in there. They put it in to make the candle burn longer, but what is it doing to our health? And it's so unnecessary. You know, I just I have a a dream, Emily, that you know in five years that we could just look back and say that this was absurd that they were, um, these manufacturers are putting all this crap in our in our products that are making us ill, and that I would just love to just look back and say, wow, can you believe that we had all this stuff and now it's gone? And you know what the, the good news is that we have so many choices now of healthy products. They're, you know, it's fantastic. More and more manufacturers are coming out, new healthy green products are coming out every year. And so there's no excuse not to be able to stay healthy, and, you know, because you, you have access to them. Yeah, I want to bring up how we can make a difference, not just in our own homes, but in a more a larger scale. And there was a great example of uh, there's a company called Free Range Press, and they uh, put out really clever and uh, creative cartoons and uh, animations online that really educate people. And one of them was uh, this hilarious little gumshoe uh, detective story. And he was, um, I think, he was a sponge. And he was a detective, and then a little rubber ducky came to see him, and she said, you know what, this new duck I'm seeing, I don't think he's made of rubber. And he does all this research, and he finds out that the other duck was made of this awful, off-gassing, um, uh, like, plastic instead of rubber. And uh, the shower curtain that had the same kind of plastic and the liner and tons of research has been done to show that these linings off-gas these things that are really dangerous for us. And because of that viral campaign, um, I'm, my, I don't want to be mistaken in terms of which, it was either Target or Walmart, I think it was Target, was targeted to take this off of their shelves. And they did. They took all of anything that was labeled with this particular thing off of their shelves so that consumers were, there was an outcry because of this one cartoon that went viral and then they stopped a company from uh, stocking that. That's true. You know, uh, that's called PVC, uh, polyvinyl chloride, and um, it's very, very toxic. And it's that it's that new curtain, shower curtain smell, or we smell it in beach balls and all that. And there's no reason to to use it. There are there are great substitutes. And you're right. Having a, a video like that to educate people um, has a, has a fantastic impact. And things are changing. You know. Um, BPA is another example. They're they taking it out of baby bottles now. Bisphenol A, which is you know again we're, we're talking about hormone disruptors. However, people need to understand that manufacturers are putting in another chemical. So um, they're putting in something called BPS and it hasn't been tested yet. So we really have to be on top of these manufacturers, you know, to really be transparent. So that's where you want to use a glass baby bottle instead of plastic, and then you don't have to worry about it. There you go. That's exactly right. Use glass instead of plastic. Wow. That's exactly my point, because just because something says BPA-free and you think that might be safe, it's, it might not necessarily be the best. So go back to the the uh, the, the most natural products that you can find, like, like glass or metal. Okay, so let's look at um, something as simple as dryer sheets, like to have a nice uh, like fabric softener, have your... Sheets come out yummy and soft. Is that a bad thing? 
Oh, please don't get me started on dryer sheets. There's, that's one of the worst, most toxic things because that fragrance. And, you know, uh, I remember I was at a barbecue once, and there was a professional chef there, um, and there were bees around, and he had these dryer sheets next to the, the grill. I said, what is this here for? He says, well, the bees hate the dryer sheets. And it was like, okay, you, these little bees are smarter than, than us human beings because they know that, you know, this is something to, to avoid. And I would really avoid at all costs dryer sheets. Well, that's so, so interesting. I was visiting my parents in Houston, and there was a big problem with the mosquitoes and um, the flu virus that they were transmitting. And my dad, you know, before we went for a walk, he said, here's a dryer sheet, and we had to rub it all over our feet and our ankles and on the dog. And I was like, well, you guys aren't using this on your clothes, are you? Yeah. <laughs> just... There you go. Absolutely. So the insects are, are avoiding it because they know it's toxic. So it's toxic for us because think about it. The dryer sheet in the heat, it get the chemicals get onto our fabric, and then when if we sweat, it's getting into our, it's, it's being absorbed into our bodies, into our bloodstream. So you know, Trader Joe's makes some great um, uh, lavender sachets that you can throw in there. Um, there are some dryer sheets that you can find at Whole Foods that don't contain toxic chemicals. So really, something to pay attention to. A very simple thing, and you want to avoid it. Wow. These are such useful tips. Um, I want to talk in our next little bit about um, things that we use that we use to cook our food with because they're in our environment, but they also impact our food. So there's two things I want to talk about. One is nonstick cookware because I've heard a lot of controversy about that. Um, you know, Teflon, for example, um, they've done studies that shown that uh, when you preheat a Teflon pan uh, without anything in it, uh, it, it, it releases this uh, something called PFOA, this, um, this toxic chemical that they've discovered that um, pet birds, like canaries, have been dying due to this. If they're in the kitchen, you know, so it's literally the canary in the coal mine, oh. the canary in the kitchen, you know? Wow. So, so, so DuPont uh, said that they were going to reformulate their, their Teflon pans by 2015. So we're still two years away. And so... You know, simple thing would be look for, they have these new green, kind of green nonstick. Uh, look for those or, you know, try using, um, uh, let's see, uh, cast iron or um, stainless steel. Well, my mom, we used to have the ones with the copper bottoms. I don't, is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. You know, the copper's not touching your food. Okay. That's good. Wow, this is really helpful. And then um, the other one is, uh, you said it a little bit before in terms of don't microwave plastic, but what about microwaves in general? You know, uh, when I go into people's homes, I have these meters to check uh, electromagnetic fields, and every single microwave I've ever tested, when it's turned on, it, it leaks, it, and it just depends on how far. I've seen some that, that the rays go back three, four feet. Um, so never. So if you use a microwave, don't stand in front of it and watch your popcorn or, or uh, you know, never microwave with plastic in there. And and the, those microwave popcorn bags, for example, are coated with um, this Teflon-like substance to prevent it from sticking to the bag. And so that and the oil mixed together, it's leaching into the popcorn, and then you're eating it. So. You know, I, I don't. I'm not a big fan of microwave popcorn. What would you recommend if somebody wanted to make their own popcorn, like the air popper or one of those 
ones that's round where you put, you you move the handle at the top. Right, it just pops in. Yes, you know what what I, we do at home is I just make it the old-fashioned way. I put a little coconut oil in a in a big pot that has a heavy base, and I put some kernels in there, close it up, and within three four minutes you have delicious tasting popcorn. It's fantastic, you know. And and you want to look for organic popcorn because, as I said earlier in the earlier segment, almost 80% of the corn in this country that's not organic is genetically modified. Oh, and that we we learned earlier that having food that's genetically modified is not that good for us because our bodies don't assimilate it well. We don't recognize it as a nutrient the way that it should be. Uh, so, right. And then one thing we did not talk about, which is so pervasive, especially in the United States, that's leading to a lot of obesity and, and issues is, I mean, everybody knows you shouldn't have a lot of sugar, but isn't there also something um, you talked about at the Commonwealth Club I want to touch on as well in terms of, um, is it corn syrup or is it high fructose corn syrup? What is it that people need to pay attention to there? Yes, the high fructose corn syrup um, is, is particularly bad and p puts weight on and raises your insulin level if you're concerned about diabetes. But also the artificial sweeteners are not great for you. A lot of people think artificial sweeteners um, will help you lose weight, and it's completely the opposite. Um, they've done studies and they've shown that uh, people over, let's say, a year period of those drinking artificial, artificially sweetened drinks actually gain weight because it creates sort of this craving for more carbohydrates. So, um, you know, if you're looking to lose weight, go for water, you know, maybe put some stevia in. A stevia is a, is a great sweetener. It's an all-natural sweetener from a leaf. And, and it doesn't take very much of it either. It's so super sweet. You just need a little bit of it. Exactly. Yeah. So before we wrap up, this has been an amazing hour. I can't believe how fast it's gone by. I want to touch in a little bit about the psychology of all of this because that's, of course, what this show is about. And one of the things that is so important is we're talking about uh, a very significant issue. And oftentimes what can happen is when you're hearing about all these different things is you can go into overwhelm and you can go into a place of, oh, my God, there's so much to do, and then we don't do anything. And I like what you said earlier in terms of choose one or maybe two things that you can change starting today that can make a difference for you in your life. And it doesn't have to be all of it, but what's one thing you can do? If it's your deodorant, if it's your fragrances, if it's, uh, I mean, those are just two that come off the top of my head. If it's using uh, vinegar or uh, hydrogen peroxide instead of Windex, you know, it's like one little thing you can do. Um, and Jamie and I often talk about the Kaizen approach to change, which has been shown in a research very successful way that taking small, minute steps towards a major goal is what gets us to the, the result. And people that are like, oh my gosh, I've got to throw everything out of my house and I can't do anything. And it becomes so overwhelming that you may like have an initial push, but then you won't keep going. It's kind of like uh, saying I'm going to start working out every single day for an hour a day when you haven't been working out at all incremental small steps have been shown to be the most successful in terms of making lasting change. And then also developing a habit. It used to be thinking of 21 days in a row uh, you can have a new habit get formed. And now they're saying it may be as much as a month or six weeks. And the main thing is to make a commitment to yourself that whatever change you're going to make, you're going to consistently do it every day and see how long you can do it and have a really strong reason why you're doing it. And for some people, it might not be for your own health 
uh, for whatever reason, we might not have the strong self-esteem. And it may be for the uh, health of your children or so that you're around longer for your children. So those are a couple of key components. I want to say, Beth, do you have anything to say about the emotional aspect of the change that's involved here? You work with a lot of clients in their homes. You show people what's toxic in their home environments. You show people in work situations what's toxic in their work environments. How, what do you give to people as uh, recommendations in terms of how to make these changes? Well, what you said was very accurate, uh, Emily, taking small steps and do them consistently. And what I wanted to add to that was that you'll see, and as I did in my own life, that um, by making small changes, you know, just like for me back in the first segment when I was talking about my tumor, that in just three days I noticed I started feeling better. And that's what, what I noticed with, with people is that um, when you start making these small changes, you start feeling better, having more vitality, more energy, headaches go away, for example. You, you're motivated to continue and see what else you can do, what else you can, you can add. But well, and I want to I jump in here because, you know, when people go through a detox, like when you have a really toxic internal environment, you may not feel better right away. You actually might feel worse. People who've tried to get off coffee or have tried to stop smoking, which are obvious, like, wow, you can build up a lot of toxins from those two things, they know, like, wow, you can have really bad headaches or you can feel really fatigued. You have to get over that hump. And having a really strong reason to keep doing that can make a big difference. Um, so in one way, it might make you feel better right away. But in some instances, it can also make you feel like not so good right away. Or you might not notice a difference at all. Like using vinegar versus Windex, you might not notice a difference. And yet you can feel good about how you're not having a, a unnecessary negative impact on your life. Well, that's true. And you also to, to feel good that you know that you're doing something good for yourself and your family and even your pets. Uh, you know, our pets are, are they're 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 low to the ground, and they're the ones who are getting sick a lot as well. Um, I've talked to several veterinarians who you know who can't believe how much cancer and tumors are happening in these dogs, and so dogs and cats. Leukemia, for example, is very prevalent in cats now. What's going on? So they are they are sensitive, and they're being impacted by our environment and what what we feed them and what we clean our homes with. So know that every little change that you make in your house is impacting the pets in your house, your children, yourself. And you say, you're right, you may not feel fantastic right away, but I've seen, I've seen miracles, you know, uh, very quickly. Um, a child who had headaches um, every day for two years, when I went into his bedroom, uh, he had a giant air purifier next to his bed. And I asked the mom, well, why do you have this here? Well, he has allergies, she said. And so when I got my meter out and saw that um, when, this, when we turned that air purifier on, the field was enormous, and we moved it 10 feet away from this bed. And you know what? The very next day she called me. She said his headaches stopped. And now six months later, he still has no headaches. Um, sometimes we just don't, we're not even aware of some of these uh, influences in our home, and it's, it could be such a simple thing to, to make a change. So, Beth, if somebody wanted to contact you, um, do you only work locally or do you work anywhere, and what is it that you do? Like, do you go into people's homes like that, and is that what a detox audit is? Yes, I go into people's homes, but I can all, I also work via Skype, so if you have a laptop, we can, we can go room by room. Um, I, I wouldn't be able to measure your electromagnetic fields from afar, but if you live... Um, in the Bay Area, I, I'm easily accessible to come in and, and measure, uh, do all sorts of measurements. I check your, your water for, um, for, for contaminants, and I'll, I'll point out which foods 
you know, might be a problem and teach you how to read labels and go through all your uh, cosmetics and personal care products. I'll show you how to make uh, household cleaners. Uh, I even take you shopping if you like. And, and, do, you, and do you show how to make, you look so fabulous and I want our um, viewers and listeners to know that you are, you look really youthful and do you do your own skin products and uh, would you be willing to say how old you are? Yeah, I was. Uh, I just turned 61 in May, and um, you know, people say to me, "Well, how do you look so young? What do you put on your skin?" And I always tell them, "It's not what I put on my skin; it's what I don't put on my skin." <laughs> so that's great. Um, well, how do people find you? What's the best way to get a hold of you? So they can just go to bestgreer.com, and uh, all my contact information is there. And my book, Supernatural Home, is available on my website or on Amazon. And I, the book is broken up into what goes in us, what goes on us, and what surrounds us. And I have um, fantastic resources in there um, for for everything that you can imagine, from you know from bedding to body lotion, and from uh, moisturizer to mac and cheese. So. <laughs> That's great. Well, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your willingness to jump on and your spontaneity, and it's been fantastic to have you here. And I can't wait uh, for Jamie to weigh in on what she sees from what you've shared. And uh, thanks for tuning in to Wealth Psychology at Sylvia Global Media, and thank you, Beth Beer, for being here. Thank you. Weatherby Asset Management is dedicated to providing exceptional wealth management services by forming partnerships built on trust, understanding, and thoughtful advice. For more than 20 years, they've been offering objective perspective, personalized planning, and sophisticated investment management to individual investors and families, as well as pension plans, foundations, and endowments. Contact them at www.weatherby.com. Weatherby Asset Management, located in San Francisco and New York City.